It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. Now, if you tuned in last week, you know that we had a little bit of a bridge in our discussions because we spent three weeks talking about authentic Christianity. And then last week, we covered actually a couple topics in one week. We had two different programs. One, we talked about uh, Christians in politics, a very sensitive subject, we also had a shout out to all of our dads and talking about the five characteristics of godly men. I hope you didn't miss any of those. And if you did, you can go back, listen to it again at calvaryfountain.com. There on our website, we've got a whole archive of these programs and more, including our video archive of sermons from Sunday messages. This is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. So if you're looking for a a body of believers that you want to study God's Word with together, you can check us out Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. But to learn more about all the ministries at Calvary Fellowship, again, visit us at calvaryfountain.com. And so today we're talking about a very sensitive issue that I'm going to need you, I'm just going to preface it right now, I'm going to need you to tune in and listen to the whole program. Don't get offended, don't think that we're not going to cover something or or somehow check out uh, because you don't like the subject matter, because we as believers need to be informed, we need to be equipped Ephesians tells us to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that's what we do here on Engage in Truth, is to equip you with God's holy word. And so the subject that we're talking about is one of what we're dealing with culturally right now. It's become a very colorful month. You've probably seen a lot of rainbows going on uh, around, perhaps in in your grocery store, on various commercials, certainly on social media. It's all around us. So we see the rainbows. We're hearing about Pride Month and hearing a lot about transgenderism and homosexuality. Uh, Even recent news of what happened uh, with with a gentleman coming out, uh, as he calls it, uh, with the Raiders of Las Vegas. Uh, Even hearing about some athletes in the Olympics. A lot of things going on out there, and so to help me with this very sensitive topic, your uh, wonderful co-host here of Engage in Truth, I say he's yours because I know you have enjoyed his perspectives, you have enjoyed hearing his thoughts, and certainly his love of the Lord, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's so good to be back again, and I, I always miss our times together, and I was listening to you with, with the intro, and it really just seems like we're on this theme of sensitive topics, and we're continuing <laughs> with that today. But these are just uh, points that need to be discussed, and I think our listeners are going to be very blessed by what you have to say today. And definitely, there's been a lot of thought and prayer involved, I know, on your part with this as well. Indeed. And, and as John said, just please don't tune out. Nothing here is, is meant to offend or discourage. Everything here is meant in love, the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that That's we right. just want to pass on to you in these really, really heavy, weighty topics that we have to discuss today. That's and right. one of the things that I was interested in as well was sort of a historical, biblical perspective of transgenderism, homosexuality, those sorts of things. Right. Can you give us some perspective and, and background in those topics? Yeah, I think that uh, as we were talking offline, I think that one of the <laughs> paradigms that we ten- tend to come across in these type of discussions, that somehow we're the enlightened age, right. uh, that is we have sort of arrived in the woke culture that we hear about. 
while the cancel culture goes on around us simultaneously, uh, th- that somehow we've arrived at this pinnacle of humanity to finally understand or making progress towards some sort of a utopia uh, that, that uh, the policies and politics around us seem to dictate and demand, uh, as if we've been somehow suppressing the, the progress of humanity. Right. And what we need to understand as we look back through the ages – we're really finding that we're not reinventing – well, we are kind of reinventing the wheel. We're not actually inventing anything new. Uh, men have done these things before. And in fact, the the whole society around us that clamors for homosexuality and, and so, uh, gender confusions and so forth actually go all the way back, I believe, even before the flood. Hmm. Uh, we can look through the, the historical records, archaeology alike, and you can see that this has happened time and time again – throughout societies that found themselves to be even technologically advanced, right. um, maybe may socially advanced, maybe they had a lot of leisures and, and a lot of wealth amongst them, became very polytheistic in nature, and, and they would turn to this. It would become sort of a, a, a process, a part of those somehow what we label as advanced societies. So this is really nothing new. And we can learn a lot even from scripture of how they addressed some of these things. And and really it's done so with love, but done so in truth, firm in truth and with the love of, of God. And, and sometimes that love can come across sounding a bit harsh as we see with Jesus as he's talking to the Pharisees. He uses the word hypocrite an awful right, lot. He, um, he, he didn't pull any punches in that, but he was always very firm and yet his arms always open to yeah. those who would receive that truth. And so let me just take us to Genesis for a moment as we look at the history of this. Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 to 18, as we look at just the rainbow in general, um, and, and we, we kind of take that for granted. It's really a beautiful thing. I it mean, is. we look up to the sky and we see the rainbow there. Maybe sometimes you see the the spectrum of multiple rainbows. Right. It's, it is such a beautiful thing that we might call it something. We may give it a name. We've talked yeah. about that, of the, the beauty of even clouds and the millions of pounds of water they right. carry, and there's just these poof balls in the air. Right. We can't really just create that. We think we can. We can recreate sort of the elements of it, but to create that from nothing, of what God has done all around us, the beauty, the beauty of it all just beholds to this creativity of an awesome, glorious God. And so let's just look at what the rainbow, for example. Let's just go back in time there briefly to that, to Genesis 9, 12 to 18. We read, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. It sounds very repetitive, right. but again, that's that's the point we're to take from this. And when we think about that rainbow, one kind of delineating factor here, this, this the simple rainbow, even just the, the, the colors we can delineate there. We know that there's uh, various transitions of right. those colors, but say, as we just look at those primary colors, if you will, there's seven, seven key colors in a rainbow. And it's where we get the Roy G. Biv, right? right? right. The, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. 
And then we see all these rainbows all around us that are seem that seem to be perpetuating this agenda. And and this agenda has predominantly six colors in its rainbow, not the seven of the covenant of God. Some have even shown an eighth color, um, but either way, they're they're not the same. And and there's some history in that. I'm not sure we'll get into that here today. But what I need to just preface again this with is that um, maybe even what I'm saying might even get me canceled. I don't know. But uh, I just want you to hear my heart in this, that sexual immorality is rampant around us. And the culture is so confused on this topic because while Hollywood seems to be condemning sexual behaviors that are happening behind the scenes, they're also making billions of dollars on pornography. There's just such hypocrisy and inconsistency out there and it's a very confusing message, but not from God's holy word. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His message has always been the same, and he always wants what's best for us. Right. right? He loves us. He wants us to do what's in our best interest, and ultimately that should lead us to salvation. But he always gave them guidance on, here's how to handle your crops. Here's how to clean your camp. Here's how to treat one another with love and respect. I mean, he always had the best interests of people. It wasn't just some some angry God in the clouds just trying to, to subject us to harsh rule. No, he always desires what's in our best interest. And yet there's all this confusion out there. And there seems to be a pressing agenda constantly forced on the not just the American people, but all across the globe. And so what I need people to understand the heart here is that we need to delineate between people that are caught up in agendas from the agenda itself. Because there's a lot of labels that are being given of like, I'm part of this LGBTQ or BLM or whatever it might be, even politics. I'm part of the donkey, I'm part of the elephant. Or we always want to throw a label on something. And what we see tend to happen in that is an agenda will take advantage of people's emotional trauma, their, their, their backgrounds, their life, their confusion, their ignorance, and channel it for an outcome that it seeks as an agenda. And in the midst of this are people that are very wounded, people that, that even when you get them apart from the, the, the clutter of the groups, you can find are really going through life stuff. And they need the hope of Jesus Christ. Right. They need the love of Jesus Christ. So I, I need I need you to hear my heart in this right now, that anything that I'm about to read to you that may sound condemning on a person, all sin makes us fall short of the glory of God. All Amen. sin. We're all sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, by his love, by his atonement, by, by his propitiation of sin. And so when we call out an agenda or a movement, a something of the corruption of men or women alike, uh, we have to, to delineate that and call it out for what it is and what it's doing in society, even looking at the history books to see what's happened throughout history when we do these things while simultaneously ministering to the heart of the persons right. that are in this. And I used to be part of a, a ministry at Focus on the Family called Love One Out. And we would go to these various churches and, and event centers all around the country, and we would teach parents how to navigate very difficult situations if their child said, I'm attracted to the same sex. Right. And we would minister to them. We'd give them the gospel tr- teachings of the Holy Word of how to navigate these situations. Well, the Word would get out inevitably, and we'd have these big protest groups outside of the facility. And when you would 
finally have an opportunity. And, and by the way, we loved on them. We would bring them out little porta potty units. We would bring the pizza, so awesome. beverages, just because we wanted to clear up any confusion that you're here probably under false pretenses. You've been told something that's inaccurate to come against us. Let me share with you actually what we're doing. Right. And if you ever got them off separate, you would just be able to love on them with the love of Jesus, hear their hearts. Sometimes they had some very deep wounds of brokenness in their relationship with a father figure, right. uh, relationships with other family members. Maybe they were wounded deeply by someone of trust. And you could minister to that wound and you'd finally see the healing work of the truth of the love of God coming into their life when you got wow. them away from sort of the the riotous phase right. of things. Um, and, and so let me just just help you understand here just for a moment. As we look at the movement of things, say if we look at now for the movement of of a culture pushing towards homosexuality, transgenderism, or even fluid gender identity. We may think that this is something new, and it's, it, it clearly is not. Um, there are many of societies before us that have gone through things like this and, and made these kind of decisions, and they were the cultural norm. Um, and in fact, let me just take you to Corinth for a moment. Uh, you go to the ancient city of Corinth, even before the height of its city at the first century. Okay, so we're going back now of almost 2,000 years here. It was a polytheistic society. They worshiped many false gods. One, for example, was Dionysus. And history reveals the sexual immorality that was associated with the worship of these false gods like Dionysus. And some of the representations that we found, some of the artistic representations of that worship, Dionysus starts to change from a masculine nature to a very feminine nature. In fact, some of the historians say that it renders it difficult at times to distinguish Dionysus from other feminine gods. The false, false, this false god, and, and make me clear, clear on that. We're talking false, lower G here, God, um, became sexually ambivalent. In fact, called a sham man or even a male female double natured of this false god. And so the men who participated in the worship of this false god, they wore what was called the crocotos, and it was a saffron-colored feminine veil in order to imitate the false god. But there were other false gods in the area, such as Aphrodite. And the women that participated in that, they would also worship her by putting on male accoutrements. In fact, the false goddess herself, you would see that many had even called her sexually ambivalent. In Cyprus, a statue of her actually features her with a beard. Wow. Okay? So already we are seeing the the blurring of the lines there. She would even be featured with a scepter that had the signs of a male nature, and she was even called the goddess that was both male and female. And you can find that image online. So women, sometimes they would shave their heads in order to honor Aphrodite, having both male and female organs. A hermaphrodite, right? So her hermaphrodite, make sure I say that correct. Uh, but the sex exchange that characterized the cults of such false goddesses like Sibylle, she was this uh, Syrian false goddess, and Artemis of Ephesus even became more grisly. Uh, the men, for example, they voluntarily castrated themselves and assumed wearing women's clothing in order to serve these false goddesses. So they would uh, you could find some of these ancient, ancient instruments that they would use in order to castrate themselves. And so they would exchange their sexual identities in order to worship these false gods. Even the pagan philosophers of that era, like as Epictetus, you've probably heard some of his writings, 
he wrote, therefore, we ought to preserve the marks God has given us. We ought not to give them up, nor as far as we can prevent, confuse the sexes which have been thus distinguished. So here was a a pagan, or you know, a cultural philosopher, non-Christian man. He also saw some of the issues that were going on in the culture then. So this blurring of the lines, these uh, the, the blurring of the sexual differentiations, Paul spoke out about that, and, and he called it a disgrace. And that's why he speaks out so strongly in 1 Corinthians 11 of wanting the women to be distinguished from what was happening in the culture, and yes, even the men. And you ask then, okay, well, what happened historically? Well, if these things were happening even before the flood, and we certainly see with Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, we see what happened to society before the flood. um, And and in those writings, if you believe anything of even the non-biblical text of Enoch and others, even some of the words of Josephus amongst many others, you know, we we see a very society that wrought with immorality. But even with Corinth, Corinth was ultimately destroyed. It was destroyed by two earthquakes and a great fire. Every time they would try to rebuild it, it was destroyed again. Uh, God would have a great deal of patience with many of these ancient cities. Uh, Tyre, uh, we see with Petra, with the Edomites, amongst many others, you'd see these judgments that would be given. We would expect almost like the next day, or maybe even that afternoon, the judgment falls. (laughs) But with God in his mercy, like he did with Nineveh, even waiting, I believe it's up to 150 years from the time of Nineveh to Nahum, Nahum, uh, between these two, I think it's 150 years, uh, where, where they have this revival moment, and then they return right back to their old w- wicked ways. Uh, God is so patient with us, not desiring that in any should perish. Even at the end of Jonah, we see the heart of God. He doesn't even want the animals to suffer, right. knowing if he has to bring judgment upon this city, even all the animals will suffer with them. Yeah. Right. So he sees, you see right there when we're talking about the rainbow being this this covenant with God and, and with man and all flesh, that when there's a violation of what God has said, this is his way. This is the way that brings him honor, and this is what's in the best interest of the flesh that I have created. When that's violated, yes, even what we consider the innocent animals will suffer for these uh, this wrath that has to come upon the iniquity of man. Our sin always impacts those around us. Let me just read here from Romans chapter 1. 24 to 32. I'm just going to let you, if you're going to contend, contend with God, right? Uh, Here's what it says. And you'll notice here that there's all sorts of sin that's caught up in this, right? It's, it's, (laughs) we we try to label one particular sin as like the, the capital S of the group. (laughs) Uh, It's all sin and it, it all demands a holy God to deal with it. Listen to these words. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving their natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so in conclusion of that thought, (laughs) we all need a lot of Jesus. Our society needs Jesus. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need to pray for them. We need to represent them at all times, being bold and courageous with the truth, not people of hypocrisy, because we like to point out the sin in others while we've got this giant protruding log hanging out of our own (laughs) eyes. Uh, with our own iniquity, and it's like it's no wonder the culture then points back to Christians and say, "Look at the hypocrisy in you." Right, exactly. How many times have you been married? How many right. times have you looked at porn right. and cussed on your way to work? Yep. And where's the difference between you yeah. and what you proclaim of "I am to be holy" is you're supposedly holy, but where's your holiness? Yep. Right. So, yeah. I think that's probably the issue here: is if we're truly going to be ambassadors for Christ, it starts right now. I mean, we have got to represent Christ through and through, and it's no wonder the world is confused. They're already going to hear a confusing message from Hollywood. They're going to hear it from our politicians. It's going to, I mean, here on one side, they're supporting Islam, while on the other side, they're supporting homosexuality and transgenderism, and these two are diametrically opposed to one another, but somehow there's Christianity caught in the middle that's always wrong, right? right? But none of the other agendas or sides or viewing opinions of these things are, are somehow incorrect. It's always Christianity that's wrong. And at the end of this, what we have to recognize is that there are five things about Christianity that the world hates. So if we don't do our part to extinguish the hypocrisy in us, they'll never hear the truth as they need to hear it. Let me cover those five briefly. Sorry, Dr. Ford. I know you have a lot of passion on this issue, too. I just keep going on and on. But let me give you these five. That Jesus is the only way, and he's the only way, the truth, and the life. Um, the world can't doesn't like that. They can handle it, but they don't like it. They're going to wrestle with it. They're going to contend with it. It's scandalizo, right. right? The idea that you could only have one way to salvation of eternal life, and it's through Jesus Christ. The world's going to say there's got to be a number of other ways. Yep. There has to be another way. It can't just be one way. Um, the other, uh, number two, that's always caused people to ruffle their feathers in opposition to Christianity is the discussion of hell and its eternal nature. Right, that it's not something temporary. It's not something you just snuffed out. And annihilationism doesn't apply here. Uh, that it's very serious. That we are an eternal soul in a temporary body, and there are real consequences that affect both our society at large, our immediate homes, and our soul for eternity. If it's and, and you're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Right. And, it, and Jesus is the only way in that. So again, we're, we're going to offend a lot of people with those two. The third is that God may actually allow bad things or seemingly bad things to happen to what we believe to be good people. Right. Uh, that somehow God is absent, uh, that somehow people can go to hell in ignorance, or somehow that this good person who pays his taxes loves his family, and then he just goes through cancer and all sorts of horrible things. Where's your God in that? And not understanding how all of these things are part of the perfect plan of God, that even bringing those things to the good of those called according to his purpose, that's a whole study in itself. But number four, original sin, that we're born into sin, and that that we're wicked from birth, and that we're all desperately needed of a Savior. You can't be somewhat good enough to earn salvation. 
And then number four, five is homosexuality, yeah. the, the biblical position on sexual immorality as a whole. And we don't see a lot of issue where people are contending with the biblical position on um, you know, other inappropriate behaviors sexually from Leviticus 18 and 20. Um, you know, certainly they're not going to contend with the Bible's position on pedophilia uh, or, or you know, even bestiality or anything like that. But it does seem to have a position that we must be translating an incorrect right. of the word yada and so forth when it, when it comes biblically to homosexuality. And again, this is not to attack a person, but rather to address the biblical direction for our best interest. And look at that, we're out of time. I didn't even get a chance to get into a lot. We may have to, <laughs> have to do a, a few programs on this because I think people need to hear this truth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I thank you for asking the question. Oh, yeah. We all That's need to ask wonderful. the question. Definitely. Right? Um, as we look at the history, as we look at what's going on around us, we can be so ignorant um, biblically. Uh, and that's the key right Definitely. here. We're ignorant biblically, Amen. so we yep. don't understand. We get a very harsh in tone, and then we totally miss Second Timothy chapter two right. and how we communicate truth and love, right? Loving people, Jesus, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so that, that's why we have these programs, right? Yeah. That we talk about these very serious issues, but doing so to educate and equip that we go out and be salt and light right. in a world that desperately needs it. So again, I thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Dr. Ford got one question in today, and, and then you just, you just set me loose here on this whole topic. But again, if you want to listen to it again, please go to calvaryfountain.com, and you can listen there over and over again, share this message and the others alike, get the word out, be equipped, uh, be educated in the word of God. And again, if you're looking for a study group, you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and we would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.